Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Welcome to episode 21 of the Box in One podcast. It's the homie, Jay Rich, here with my boy, C-Lass. What's up, C-Lass? Oh, what up? And the homie Jay Hart, Coach Jay Hart. What's up, Coach? What's going on, fellas? Ain't nothing, man. Hey, before we hop into our podcast, I have to remind you all of one verse of scripture. Okay. Um, it's located in Romans 12, 15. And it says just this. I need you to mourn with those who mourn. Okay. Because we're going to hop in and talk about college football first things first. And week five specifically in college football. But I need you all to meditate on that verse right quick before we hop into that first topic. And I want to go ahead and and lead us off with my reflections on week five, because I don't have much to reflect on. Okay, I experienced some of the greatest heartbreak as a fan on Saturday, October 1st. It was terrible, terrible. My Georgia Bulldogs were well on their way to winning a game with Jacob Eason throwing a nice 40-something yard pass to another freshman in Ridley. And we want to go to the end of this game and just talk about what happened, okay, because it was devastating. Kick the ball off. Your boy Josh Dobbs throws a Hail Mary. We put our tallest guy back there. And the guy from Tennessee comes down with the ball and they beat my Georgia Bulldogs. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm devastated. You guys got any solace for me? Any consolation for me right now as friends, as brothers? You know how uh, sometimes your your friends' teams will lose and you want to laugh? This was one of those things when you watched it and you was like, ooh, <laughs> like that ain't even funny. Like that's just a bad way to lose a game. Like that. That's heartbreaking. I remember uh, Jeremy and I. For those of those who might be listening to the podcast who don't know, we were actually teammates in college, and uh, we lost. We experienced a lot of loss together. But one thing our coach always used to say is, "Don't let this one game beat you twice." And what he meant by that is like, hey, you've got to find a way to shake off losses, no matter how jarring they are. And be ready for the next, in this case, Saturday. I'm just wondering, do you think like this is something that your dogs can bounce back from that quickly? Or is that just kind of like, hey, just because of what it meant to the season, what it meant to the east side of the SEC, like that's just something you just don't bounce back from. Yeah, at this point, I don't care about any other game except for the Florida game. Period. <laughs> like the season is we're two and two. We can run off the next eight games and become ten and two. But I, the most important game at this point is Georgia-Florida because I don't think we have a good chance of winning the East. And I really didn't to start the season, but yesterday gave me a little bit of hope. And Joshua Dobbs just tore out my heart yesterday and killed me with it. So I sent my boy a tweet, uh, not a tweet, a text yesterday after he was ragging on me. I was like, man, I was so elated. It felt like I went from being <laughs> – I went from Jesus to Job in, in like three seconds. It was terrible. 
and it just broke my spirit, man. But there was other games this weekend, so I want to give you guys a chance to kind of think through something that may have impacted you this weekend. It was like, whoa, that was a great game, great play. So any reflections from this weekend in college football? I think I'm over my my dogs losing, but I just wanted to make sure I, I brought that up in the podcast. Uh, you know, my first thoughts were there were three matchups yesterday with teams in the top ten. You had Michigan, Wisconsin. You had Stanford and Washington on Friday night. And then you had the big one last night, Louisville and Clemson. Stanford looked awful. Um, and I don't know if you guys realize this or not. I didn't realize this until I was watching the game. As good as Christian McCaffrey is, he's never scored a touchdown in a road game. Did you all know that? I saw that stat. Is that for real? Like legit? That's for real. He's never scored a touchdown in a road game, like wow. in a true road game. He's never scored a touchdown. That's crazy. Right. That's that like, crazy. When they posted it on the TV, I was like, wait, that can't be real. Like, he scored all these touchdowns that he's never scored on the road, and he didn't score. I don't think he scored against uh, UW. Didn't he go to New York last year for the Heisman? He did. And didn't <laughs> score any home, I mean, road touchdowns? Nope. That's, that's crazy. I know, right? Like, I, I was the most mind-blowing stat ever. So, and then, you know, last night... The, the Michigan-Wisconsin game was – that was old school, Big Ten, boring. Whoever had the ball last was going to win. It was a 14-7 game. It was hard-hitting, just ugly Midwestern football. The, the game last night looked like at halftime, Lamar Jackson's Heisman chances were flushed, and I turned it off. And then all of a sudden, I started getting this rush of text messages like, are you watching this? So – and Sorry, Louisville fans. I kind of feel like I'm that dude because when I turned the game off, Louisville came back, and every time I turned back to the game, Clemson scored. So I think it might have been my fault that Louisville lost. I'm not sure because I turned it off. Louisville went up. I turned it right back on. Deshaun Watson threw a touchdown. I turned it off again. Louisville scores. I turned it back on. Clemson scores. And I watched to the end of the game. And fourth and 11, they complete a 10-and-a-half-yard pass. So, so Jay Hart is that guy. I'm that guy. He watches Eagles games and Snuggies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here, here's my question. If you're a kicker, say like you're the kicker for North Carolina and you come out and you hit a 54 yard field goal to win the game. Can you then do the tomahawk chop in Tallahassee? Hey, he can tomahawk chop all he wants. I ain't even gonna say. I ain't even gonna be mad at him. You kick a fifty-four yarder to beat Florida State in Florida State. <laughs> when your team's kicker can't make an extra point, <laughs> <laughs> then you're very excited about a kicker who can hit a fifty-four yarder. So he can troll them all he wants to. Plus, I despise Florida State anyway. So I was glad that North Carolina beat them. And I sent one of my boys a text saying, "Hey, Georgia beat North Carolina." North Carolina beat Florida State. What does that mean? Then he reminded me that they beat Ole Miss, and I got sad all over again. So um, that was not a very logical argument. Who y'all got for the Heisman right now? Both teams play hard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I channel my inner Rasheed Wallace. Man, I don't even want to say. I, I can't even tell you. Like, I wanted to say Deshaun Watson-ish. I was going to say McCaffrey, but he disappeared. So I can't even tell you right now, man. Can't. 
Yeah, I don't even know where to go at this point. Like, I, I think you're just going to have to wait and see what all shakes out the rest of the year. Like, it's crazy. It's completely crazy. Well, I guess we won't be talking about Nick Chubb's Heisman chances. Thanks a lot, Jay Hart. Hey, you turned, you turned the TV on on Nick Chubb, apparently. No, I did not. And and I'm a, and I'm gonna say this. I just want you to know, this year I've watched more Georgia football than I think I ever have in my life because of you. Well, well, praise I, I'm, God. I'm actually rooting for Georgia just because of you, just because you, my dog. I'm I making SEC Georgia. disciples. I appreciate you, man. I, I'll tell you one thing. I'll never do that with the Eagles as much as I like you. That's okay. Uh-huh. You don't have to do that. We don't need to <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So that's been the college football update. Let's talk about this next topic, which has been huge this past week. Um, Luke Cage came out this week on September 30th on Netflix. Netflix has been owning the straight to streaming game on these original series. And I need to figure out how they do this and make money. It's kind of crazy if they're getting $9.99 from each subscriber and making these full-length like shows. It's kind of crazy. But if anyone doesn't know who Luke Cage is or what Luke Cage is, it actually was a comic book in 1972 released by Marvel. And it's interesting because it was re- released around the time of uh, black exploitation films kind of having a um, high output of films. So Dolomite. Marvel decided to go Dolomite and to release some comics with with a black lead character in the person of Luke Cage. So they decided to um, enlist Chio Coker to produce and write part of the film, uh, part of the series. And he is the one who produced Notorious and um, Southland, the show, too. So um, he has a pretty good eye for the camera and. I think he did not disappoint this go around. I think all three of us have watched at least a couple of episodes. So without any spoilers, what do you appreciate most about um, this adaptation of the Luke Cage um, comic from Marvel? Uh, You know, I'll say for me and just being a comic book superhero fan, um, I think it's kind of cool because before this series came out, like only the true diehards, even knew who Luke Cage was, Um, you know? And so for me, like, I think it's pretty cool that they've, they've gone this route with it. Um, I'm probably on episode five now. I think I watched uh, two more yesterday and one today. So I think I'm on episode five, but I, I just appreciate the way it's done. And I think, you know, I think we had had this discussion about some of the dialogue and how cheesy some of it is, but it's it sticks. I think it sticks true to um, that true comic book dialogue. And if you read comics, you know kind of how cheesy some of it was. And it just I think it sticks true. But I also think there's some some messages there that are great messages. And I think, you know, anytime you're talking about good versus evil, um, you know, I think it really sticks out. And I think the way he kind of approaches things sticks out as well. And, you know, I want to like I, I want to just go all in and talk about it, but I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. So, Yeah. So Time had an article I read yesterday that said it's probably the most political superhero show yet. Um, and I wasn't I was a casual fan. I didn't know anything about Luke Cage. But when I was reading the description of the series, 
I said, wow, a bulletproof black man who's a superhero? I'm in. Who wears a hoodie? Right. Yeah. Like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm going to watch it for sure. Um, interestingly, from a historical perspective, the comic book came out around the time that the Tuskegee experiments were happening. And, um, you know, not to give too much away, there was an experiment that happened in the comic book that kind of mirrors that experience too. So it was completely political around that time. And the fact that they juxtaposed it in 21st century Harlem in 2015, 14, I was like, wow, this is great. And they had me at the New York Knicks Porzingis um, reference. So that was cool. Um, Chris, what's up? Lots, man. Um, so as you guys know, like I'm not a TV person and behind the scenes when we would talk about the podcast, I was like, oh, we got to talk about this. And y'all were like, well, then you got to watch some of it. So um, my wife kind of watched some of it. Like I just really um, don't have a ton of time. I have a big family. I have lots of things I need to do and lots of things I want to do. The TV doesn't get cut on that often. So something has to be pretty big for me to even cut the TV on. Couldn't tell you the last time I had the TV on before this. Um, one thing I loved was like I saw, and again, we said we don't want to give a lot of it away, right? But there was a clear picture in there to like show black people a positive self-image. And so there's a scene where something's about to happen and it's about to happen across from um, Crispus Attic's Boulevard or something, right? And they just stop and go into a full history lesson. Like, and I knew like it was intentional trying to teach people their history to look upon it proudly. And I think that's something that's redemptive. And I think that's something that's um, biblical. I thought that was great. And I like the idea, obviously, um, anytime that there's a superhero, there's a type of Christ. So there's kind of like things that I watch and theologically my mind runs to like uh, what Christ did for us in the redemption. And um, I love storytelling, just love storytelling. So I love, um, like to me, everything that I watch, read, whatever, it has to have like a mega narrative, mega narrative. I was loving some of the characters that developed. Um, I didn't get in, but two episodes, but um, you know, some things happened in episode two that I was like, oh man, I was attached to that character. Like, wow, that have to happen. You know what I'm saying? Um, not to give too much of it away, but um, yeah, so I, I liked it. I really did. Um, I'm not much of a TV person, but I like what I saw. So if you haven't already watched Luke Cage, go on over to Netflix and check it out. Uh, we probably will be talking about it a little bit later in the, the year as we finish the show up. And if you don't have Netflix, go on over to your neighbor like it's a cup of sugar and borrow some Netflix from them. Yeah. Um, I did not give you that advice, though. Don't come at me like that. Um, I, do, I do think it's important as a disclaimer <laughs> to just say that some of the language and innuendo and situations in the series are adult oriented. So, you yes, know, you do not kids. have your 12 year old sitting with you watching this. That is not boxing one endorsed. But if you are mature enough spiritually and can understand some adult language and in, in, in those, then uh, we suggest it for the social and political commentary that um, definitely points us to the gospel and to redemption as well. So, hey, and this, I mean, I'll just go ahead and fully out myself. But when I watch TV and I know there's a chance 
that it'll be something like I typically watch with my wife. And if she's like something like this isn't going to like this scene right here um, because of whatever's happening with the characters isn't going to point me more towards Christ. Like I can turn away for a season because ultimately like my, my aim in life is to be the most like Christ. So she kind of helps me with some of those areas. So I'm Defin- that guy. Definitely on team turn away for a season for sure. Okay, so our last topic that we want to address in our three major topics is one that we kind of kicked around and thought it would be good to address because I've had some people ask me about this, and I believe that Chris has had some folks who have been discussing this in one of his smaller groups, and it has to do with scripture, and we want to make sure we also bring some scriptural, spiritual truth um, to the podcast as well. So I think this is right up that alley. Um, And it has to do with the book of Proverbs. You know, Proverbs is 31 chapters long, right smack dab in the middle of the Bible in the Old Testament. And a lot of people don't know how to approach it because it reads like a whole bunch of riddles and uh, seems like it's not causally connected to one another. So um, one of the things that is very interesting, especially when you talk about the prosperity gospel is that a lot of people hold on to certain proverbs as promises. So when you're talking about Proverbs 1, where it talks about the fear of the Lord and what it brings, health, prosperity, and um, and other things that really cause you to be blessed per se, people hold on to those as promises. So then when they aren't healthy or when they don't have prosperity, then that verse becomes one that is problematic to them. What am I doing wrong? Because it's a formula. So what we wanted to talk about was the Proverbs as promises and Proverbs not being promises, but necessarily principles. So Chris, I wanted to let you chime in first since you had talked about it in our text conversation earlier. Okay, yeah. So there's a great example that says like a man's gift will take him before kings. Um, So if you read that as a straight up promise, like that's gonna be difficult for everyone who has any type of gift who's never been before a king. You see what I'm saying? And so we look and what it's saying is like, we take the truth out of that element and basically um, let the rest of scripture interpret the scripture. We know every believer, has been given some type of gift. But just because you've been given a gift, like you shouldn't think you're gonna be before a king, but like it may be the thing that exalts you. So we look at it more as a truism than we would look at it as a promise that like, I will get to go before some king in some foreign country because America doesn't even have kings. Um, The one where I think you see the most pain um, is the one that says, if you train a child in the way they should go, will not when they get older, they won't depart from it. I think it's like Proverbs 22, 6. And you see so many heartbroken parents whose children, um, whether for a short season or a long season, just don't seem to be walking with the Lord. Um, I think ultimately we're all parents, right? The thing that the Lord would call us to in laying that down um, and being like our children's disciples, consistently pointing them to the gospel, consistently modeling the gospel. I think if we do that in our life, if we're humble, if we take time to actually instruct them in the word of God, if we live it out faithfully, I think the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. 
I don't think that you can take that verse in Proverbs and like put God in some type of divine arm lock and said, look, I was faithful to this. So this promise has to be true in my life. And I've just seen so many people whose hope has been in that rather than in the gospel and just be sorely disappointed and lose faith over that. So I think that's why it's important that you understand like how to read Old Testament wisdom literature and letting scripture interpret scripture as far as a hermeneutic principle. It's funny because like for me, I never really looked at Proverbs as a book of promises. Like I looked at it as more of um, guidance, um, just saying, oh, wow. Like, you know, especially like the first couple, you know, with wisdom and, and, you know, fleeing from adultery and those type of things. So I've always looked at it as, as, um, more for guidance. But when my wife and I first got married, we, I lived in Northern Virginia. She was in New Jersey at the time. And to kind of compromise so we could be together, she had to take a job in Baltimore. And I had to kind of move to right outside of Baltimore on the other side of where I worked at just so we could be together. And at that point, one of our college teammates, Terrence, the same guy with the, you know, the shirt that was kind of we had talked about previously before we started. um, He invited me to his church and it was I would consider it a mega church. And there were some other churches that we had visited just trying to find a home church. And the pastors were using you know, certain things from Proverbs to, you know, try to preach a prosperity gospel. And I just kind of think the straw that broke the camel's back was when we were at a church and the pastor got up and, you know, they were passing around the offering plate. And then all of a sudden he pulled out his new DVD and it was him on the cover with, you know, a, a jet and a Bentley and like this huge house. And then he just started waxing poetic on, you know, if you ain't got this, then, you know, you're not claiming this. And I, and I think so many people are fooled by those things. And I think the people do dwell on on them as promises. Some of the verses, um, you know, I just think it's important to remember that there are certain promises we can kind of hang our hat on in Scripture, uh, but not necessarily those. And, Chris, I feel your pain with, you know, the leading of the child and. You know, I, I've talked to so many people who just throw that out there and they're so frustrated, and especially me being in public education. You know, parents would come and talk to me and say, well, Scripture says that, you know, if you raise them in, and I'm like, right. But, you know, you also got to remember, like, they're walking a path, too. Um, so it, it's just it's tough and it's, it's tough helping people navigate those things. Um, but I think you guys may have had more experience in, in dealing and talking with people that have taken those things as promises and not really like as principles. Yeah, and I think I think it's super important. And Chris mentioned this to have that proper biblical hermeneutic when looking at the text. And it starts with what Chris mentioned, which is this is wisdom literature. I mean, it's coming from Solomon and other writers, and it's based on their observations about certain situations. So obviously, yes, all of scripture is God breathed, breathed out by God and profitable for reproof. Um, but some of scripture is wisdom literature, and it has to be read through that lens. And that lens means that it's not really a prescription, but a description of what's going on in that person's life or what they ob- have observed. So 
for example, you will see one, two verses back to back in Proverbs that literally contradict one another. In Proverbs 26, 4, it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Turns around in verse five, it says, answer a fool as his folly deserves. So <laughs> there will be in instances where you probably should not answer a fool. And then there are other instances where you probably should uh, that that takes wisdom, that takes discernment. But again, this is Solomon or the writer of that proverb observing what they have seen and putting that on wax. So what we also have to understand is this is all part of God's redemptive plan and story. And when you look at the first several chapters of Proverbs, as Jeremy mentioned, um, it's about wisdom, right? All about wisdom. And then we have Paul comes along in First Corinthians and has this amazing verse in the beginning where he talks about Jesus becoming for us wisdom from God. So the the entirety of Proverbs point to Jesus who became for us wisdom. So we we don't take those as promises, but we do take him as a promise, as the one who became for us wisdom. Um, and trust in him to uh, to uphold our children when they do depart. So so scripture is not contradictory when it talks about, you know, us being able to stand on promises. But the Proverbs ain't promises. And some people aren't going to be happy to hear that. But that's just an understanding how to properly interpret the text. So, so I, I really do hope that that was helpful for some of our listeners. I know that some people wrestle through these questions and don't really ask them out loud because, you know, some people don't want to be embarrassed by them. But we actually do need to be biblically literate and understand how to interpret certain texts. So I appreciate you fellas for um, helping me walk through that with some folks. No doubt. Amen, brother. Amen. And I, th I, I think you're right, John. Like, you do see people that, you know, may not be, they may be babes in the faith or, you know, they may feel like somebody might question whether they're genuine Christians, if they have questions about the scripture or if they are, you know, kind of dwelling on these things. And I, I've talked to folks who, you know, I'm like, well, have you talked to a pastor about that? Or it's like, no, I don't want them to think less of me. Or like, what? Like, how, you, you can't hold on to it. Like you, you got to ask someone, like ask somebody and talk. But I, I do think, I think people get uncomfortable and they're like, well, will people think less of me or they think I'm less quote unquote Christian if I don't know these answers. Um, and I think it's important that people understand, like we don't have all the answers, but you know, don't be afraid to ask. So um, this segment of our show is called Sorry We Missed That. And for newer listeners, it's just a segment where we take a look back um, in history and time, in the history of the Internet, and see if we can find some nice stories to kind of talk about that were in existence before or happened before this podcast was in existence. And I think we found one this go around that is really interesting. But since CLAS is closer to Jamestown, um, I'm going to let him tackle this particular topic or at least introduce it. Yo. All right. So as you guys know, in a couple of days, there has, there has, there's going to be our celebration of Columbus day. So the last two years on Twitter, there's kind of been this campaign in 2014. There was just, everybody was tweeting out sarcastic tweets 
And the sarcastic tweets would say something like, hey, I'm going to go to Chipotle today and pretend like I discovered it. And basically what everyone is saying is, um, if you've ever done any research historically, um, there are definitely things about Christopher Columbus's actual life that no person would want to celebrate. Um, and so last year there was actually a push to make it, um, to change it to like something that was like more honoring of the people who actually lost the country than out of the people who said, hey, we discovered this country so I didn't know if you guys had a chance to see any of the Twitter reaction last in the last two years, but I thought this would be a perfect sorry we missed that episode because people came for Christopher Columbus something mightily the last two years on Twitter and we're about to be on it again. Oh, you know they're about to go in on them again. And it's been renamed by a lot of people Indigenous Peoples Day. And it's very interesting because I hear you hear rhetoric of, you know, people getting upset about certain movements in this country, um, i.e. the Black Lives Matter movement. And a lot of the response or some of the response, at least, is, well, you can always leave if you don't like our country um, and go back where you came from. And I think that there may be a smaller group of the population who might feel the same way about many of us because of the circumstances that occurred in the founding of this nation. So, you know, it's sort of that take the speck out before you look at the log situation uh, for a lot of people. And I'm glad that we're revisiting that conversation, but it's just been so long part of our history that a lot of people don't really talk about it. And I, I would commend a great book to a lot of people. I read it in seminary um, and it's by Takaki, Ronald Takaki, and it's called A Different Mirror. And it's a totally different historical perspective than you've read about in high school, middle school. And it talks about it from the perspective of those who are marginalized. So I would commend that book to anyone. Yeah, I, I got to tell you guys this. Um, my dad, uh, probably it's been several years ago now, but, you know, he had always kind of had this inkling in his family that, you know, there was a Native American trace. So he does like one of the ancestral studies and, you know, goes through the genealogy and everything. So he finds out like that. It traces it back in our family that, you know, it's Cherokee Indian. So. My dad's like claiming this. He's like, I ain't buying no hunting licenses. I'm not buying any fishing licenses. I'm Native American. Like, I don't have to pay for this. This is my land. So now whenever he gets mad at people, he'd be like, look, all y'all can leave because this is my land. Y'all came here. So when you said that, <laughs> I was like, yo, that sounds so much like my dad. Like, I can hear him right now. Like, he tells my mom all the time, like, look, I know your peoples came over here in the boat, but I was here when y'all got here. So nice. Go back. I'm like, come on, dad. You cut that out, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. That's great. So we want to share finally with you guys some things that we're listening to and some things that we're reading. This is a segment where we share resources with some of our listeners so they can just kind of take a look behind the curtain and see what we are listening to and reading. And this week, I just wanted to share with everybody uh, what I was reading. And it's interesting. I, I, I just picked up a copy, an audiobook copy of the book Hillbilly Elegy 
I think that Silas may have mentioned this before, but this book is a riveting read. It's very, very interesting. And it may be something that we want to revisit later in the podcast, but I won't give away too many details, but it really is a insider's look at um, lower class white Americans who live in what they call the Appalachia, the belt of the Appalachians or something like that. Um, But the gentleman, uh, J.D. Vance, is a Yale Law School graduate, but he is from like Jackson, Kentucky. And it is such a good read. I'm probably halfway through it right now, just listening to it on audiobook. But this, the story is really compelling. So I would definitely suggest that to anyone who wants to read about um, lower ca- class America in that particular region. I'm also listening to uh, an older KB album, um, enjoying it. Tomorrow We Live, and been rocking with that for the past couple of days or so. So that's what I'm reading. That's what I'm listening to. It's that time of the year now where basketball is starting to gear up again. And, um, you know, everybody keeps trying to get me back on the sidelines. But I'm I'm content coaching my son's AAU team for the moment. Um, so, But typically around this time of the year, I usually get a basketball book where I'm reading. And right now what I'm reading is a book called Toughness by Jay Billis. Um, it just it's basically it just talks about the different ways that you can be tough as far as mentally tough, um, you know, not just physically, but just covering some of those things that um, it's more like a self-help or like something that's a motivational tool to kind of get you over the hump. And it, it uses a lot of sports and basketball analogies. But if you can break that down and take it for what it's worth um, and apply it to everyday life, um, it's applicable about, you know, how do we overcome our mental stumbling blocks and hurdles and just being mentally tough as well. So I'm, I'm reading through that. Um, I'm going back to some old Tadashi, well, old new, um, this time around EP and also Below Paradise. And I think what kind of put me back on is that, I don't know if you guys had seen it, but he uh, released a video for his track, I'm Good, off of um, his latest EP. And I happened to watch that. And I was like, you know what, let me go back and revisit some of those tracks. So I kind of been rocking with my dude Tadashi um, as far as what I'm listening to. All right. So for me, um, I'm still finishing up this Jay Rich uh, devotional. I'm almost at the end of it. I'm trying to Hustle up. My wife's going to the beach for a week. I got the kids. I'm holding it down here at the house. Trying to hurry up and finish it so she could take it with her. Want to ask my man, Jay Rich, about the Sprite bottle. But we'll do that on a different episode. <laughs> um, and I'm reading a book on uh, the notorious B.I.G. for a paper, which is actually part of a larger project that I'm working on um, <clears throat> that if we uh, if we're blessed to continue the podcast for a while, you guys will hear all about. But I'm doing a lot of research on him for this particular part of the project. Um, so that's been really interesting, learning a lot about Christopher Wallace. Um, as far as listening to man, um, I've been listening to the Past the Mike podcast at um, Reform African American Network, and um, Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia has a series going on right now called Hashtag Woke Church. 
and just talking about how the gospel is not like um, a social gospel, but the gospel does have social implications for sure. And how to live that out in the midst of our current climate been really good. Um, musically, I've just been on the same Epiphany Candom covered EP for worship, a lot of the ambassador. And last week I was doing a dishes listening to the first Truth album, Truth, Moment of Truth. So that's kind of what I've been listening to. Throwback, Moment of Truth. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Classic album. All right. We're going to go closing shout outs. And I have one closing shout out tonight, man. And that is shout out to the NBA preseason starting yesterday with Golden State um, roughing up Toronto. Or did they beat them? I don't know. But basketball's back. And I'm excited about it. So um, shout out to the NBA preseason kicking off yesterday. Man, uh, my shout out has to go to my homeboy, Black Boo, uh, Alfred the MC, a.k.a. Alfred Duncan, who has went viral on social media this the last two days. So um, about three weeks ago, Black texted me. He sent me an email. And he said, and it said, um, basically, he was going to propose to his wife, would-be wife, in the morning time and have a surprise wedding set up for her by evening. And I'm like, this dude is crazy. And he pulled it off. And there's video of it all over social media right now. I think it's up to... I think I saw it over 400,000 views on one of the videos that was happened yesterday. Um, but for um, I just had a number of things going on back here in state and couldn't make it up. So uh, Boo and I had talked on the phone for about 30 minutes on Wednesday after I picked up the kids from school. I was just telling them how proud I was of him. He had been through marital counseling at his church. Um, so he proposed to his wife at noon and then he married her that night. The video is amazing. Everybody go to Facebook or YouTube or something and watch it. And uh, shout out to my man, Black Boo. I could tell you stories. We could fill a podcast with all the funny stuff he did in college. But that's my dude, and I love him. So You know what? Piggybacking off that, Chris, let me just give a shout out to the whole SU crew. I don't know whether they listen or not, but I'm giving a shout out to all of them, the Parker crew, everybody. Um, we had some good times. And Honestly, I think it really we could make a podcast show out of it because so many of our crew of friends came to know the Lord. And it's really um, and Chris, I, I would think that you would agree with me on this. Like, it's really an amazing story with a lot of us and just how the Lord worked through this little small Division three basketball team and brought us all together and brought us to him. So. Shout out to my SU crew. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, they need to bring the alumni game back. I'm trying to get some buckets, but SU in the building, Bo. Somebody should write that book, by the way. Um, so, yeah, no I ain't going to call no names, but somebody several years ago said they was going to do it. I ain't never done it, but I ain't going to say no names. Listen, don't worry. I have a, I have an uncanny ability of pulling stuff out of people. So Listen, yo, I promise <laughs> this summer, I ain't talked to my college assistant coach in like three years, he calls me and says, hey, I need you to write this book. Like he said it like, hey, I need to write you a letter of recommendation. He said, hey, I need you to write this book for me. And then he never called me back, never followed up. I hadn't heard from him for two years. I haven't heard from him since. He just calls me out the blue one day. It's like, hey, write a book. 
was like, you know, that stuff doesn't happen overnight, right? Like, nice. I was so weak. Everybody else thinks it does, <laughs> but writers know yeah. the truth, right? Hey, man, right, right, thank right. you guys. This was really therapeutic for me, man. I'm, I've gotten over my dogs in a 30, 40 minute session here. So this was like, y'all are my therapist. Um, I appreciate you know, it. I just want you to know, I took the high road because I almost gave a shout out to somebody from this weekend. Nah, you can't do but that. But I didn't do it. Uh, you can't do that on the podcast. When they, when they go low, we go high. <laughs> amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. That's been episode 21 of the Boxing One Podcast. It's your boy Jay Rich, C. Lass, and Jay Hart uh, chopping it up with you guys. If you like it, if you want to hear more about it, then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and give us some reviews, ratings. Also, check us out on Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. Until next week, we'll see you guys later. Peace out. <laughs>